Folks, welcome back to another episode of Fallen Badge. Our episode today will be the murder of Trooper Leslie Lord and Scott Phillips, New Hampshire State Troopers. Folks, this story is primarily going to come from an article written by Trooper Ed Tuig. He was a Vermont state trooper. The article was entitled, Terra in the North Country. It's August 19th, 1997 about three in the afternoon in the little town of Colebrook, New Hampshire. Trooper Scott Phillips makes a traffic stop in front of the IGA supermarket which is out on Highway 3 north of town. Now the fellow in the vehicle he stops, he's a anti-government man, anti-police. Now he lived in Colebrook, but he was constantly complaining about local zoning ordinances and he'd been fighting with town officials for quite a while it would only be later that authorities would find out he'd been stockpiling a large catch of weapons at his home and it's pretty obvious from what was stored at his house and what he had with him this day in his truck He wasn't going to go quietly. And when he left, he took four good people with him. So Trooper Phillips, he lights up the suspect's truck. Suspect is over in the parking lot of the IGA store. Now, when he got out of the truck, he's armed with a semi-automatic rifle. Now, I didn't see a picture of the rifle. I can't find anything that says what type it is. But anyways, he opens up on Trooper Phillips. Now, Phillips, he's returning fire. Now, one of the bullets from the suspect strikes Phillips in the hands. So now, once Phillips shoots his pistol dry, He's having a really difficult time trying to reload. In fact, he's unable to reload his weapon. Phillips, he 
crawls off into the field. There's a field there to the east of the parking lot where they're at. And he crawls over in there trying to take cover. Now Trooper Lord He had been alerted by Phillips that he was going to stop this fella because they, they were familiar with him. So Trooper Lord pulls onto the lot. Well, he doesn't know there's been a shootout. He doesn't know any of this. So he's driving blind. So when Lord pulls up, Suspect fires multiple rounds into the cruiser. Lord doesn't even have a chance to get out of the, out of the car. Now one of the bullets went through the vehicle. It hit Trooper Lord, and it killed him there in his car. Then the suspect turns around and he starts looking for Phillips in the tall grass, and he looks around for him, and he finally finds him. And then he executes Trooper Phillips with several rounds. Now, allegedly, the suspect was wearing body armor at the time of the shootout with Phillips. If that's the case, that may have something to do with the fact that Phillips wasn't able to get a hit on the suspect. Maybe he did. The vest stopped the rounds. Now, I read something else that mentioned that the suspect got body armor that was inside the squad car of Trooper Phillips. So now we've got two dead troopers. The suspect, he gets in Trooper Phillips' cruiser and he starts heading southbound down Highway 3. And he's heading into the center city of Colebrook and he's got a specific location to go to. And that's the little newspaper called the News and Sentinel. Because evidently our suspect has decided this is Judgment Day for all the people that's given him trouble. Well, the suspect is coming southbound on Highway 3. And Trooper Phillips' cruiser, as you might guess, the cruisers got multiple bullet holes in it, so I'm sure it's drawing some attention just from its condition. So now when he gets into the the town center there. He hangs that right. He goes back west on Bridge Street. He only goes about 20, 30 yards because the newspaper sits there on the north side of the street. So he parks and he goes to the front door of the newspaper because that's where one of his enemies is. 
in his mind. And it's an attorney named Vicki Bunnell. Uh, Miss Bunnell is also a, a part-time judge there in town. So you might guess any authority figure is an enemy of our suspect. Now one of the employees inside the business and it may even have been Miss Bunnell. I, I've, there's a couple of different accounts as to who actually saw the suspect head towards the front door. But the front door was locked. So now our suspect can't get inside. All the employees start evacuating. They start going out the back door. Now, the back door of, of that business faces back to the north. And there's a parking lot where they, where they all park. So they are going out through the back door. Now, according to an interview that I saw, the owner of the newspaper said that Miss Bunnell made sure all the other employees had left the building before she attempted her escape out the back door. Our suspect, he can't get in the front door and there looks like there's possibly some damage to the front door, so he, he did attempt to, to force the door and that didn't work. He walked around the building. He went around the the west side and down the little walkway towards that parking lot. Now at some point near the corner of the building, which would be the northwest side, he sees the employees and he sees uh, Vicky Bunnell in the parking lot running and he shoots and he kills her. She falls there in the parking lot. A fella named Dennis Jose, he's the actual editor of the newspaper. He jumps the suspect. Jose is there near the building. So he gets in a fight with the suspect. Now this editor, he's not a very big fella at all. And our suspect is a over 6'2", I believe, and may even been 6'5". He was a pretty big man. They fight for just a little bit, and the suspect gets the upper hand, and he shoots Joe several times. Then he walks back, and he gets into the stolen trooper car, and he heads to his house. Now, Joe's the editor, Mr. Jose, is still alive. He gets treated there on the, the lawn, the grass there on the west side of the little business, the little newspaper. And then they transport him and he dies at the hospital. As the suspect leaves town, you've got police that have moved into Colebrook. Now they got police from several jurisdictions they're in town and you get witness accounts and they vary so they don't know if 
the suspect has actually left town or if he just moved to another section of town. So they're going through Colebrook looking for the suspect. And at some point, they head out towards the suspect's house. While police are pouring into Colebrook looking for the suspect, he's now left southbound on Highway 3, and he's heading back to his house. His house is located just off Highway 3 between the highway and the Connecticut River in the township of Columbia. And the house is actually just a little north of Stratford. When he gets to the house, he shaves off his beard, changes his clothes. He poured gasoline over the front door. And he also had the front door rigged. So when it was opened, it would trigger an explosive device. So he was wanting maximum casualties of any first responders. who came to his property. In fact, when law enforcement got to his house, there were so many tunnels and booby traps throughout the property and the house and the barn, bomb-making materials, weapons, over 80 pipe bombs, it was decided that for the safety of law enforcement, they set the house and the barn on fire. The suspect left his house and continued down Highway 3. He made the decision he was going to go into the state of Vermont, which was just across the river. So when the suspect leaves his house, he goes, continues southbound on Highway 3. He rolls into Stratford, which is just a rock's throw away from his house. And he gets to that intersection there, Highway 3 and Highway 105. He hangs the right on 105, crosses the bridge, and enters Vermont. Now, the police in Vermont had been alerted, as had Canadian authorities and Maine authorities and pretty well anybody with a badge and a gun was now on the lookout for the suspect. You had police state troopers, game wardens, you had border patrol, 
what the law enforcement did was they went to any of the bridges that crossed into Vermont. So if you didn't have New Hampshire officers, you had Vermont officers watching all the bridges. Now it just so happens suspect gets to the intersection of 105 and 102 there's a game warden there from Vermont and of course you can't miss that New Hampshire trooper car all shot to pieces so the game warden he gets in behind the suspect when the suspect makes that left and starts going southbound on 102 and the suspect he goes through the underpass stops gets out and he cranks off about six rounds at the game warden in his truck The only reason the game warden wasn't killed was the one bullet that struck him and hit his badge. And it deflected most of the round, but you still had pieces of lead from the bullet and then part of the badge that entered into the game warden's body. So then the suspect gets back in the car and he continues along 102 and of course now you've got a fresh sighting of him and 102 there's just not a lot of places to get off of it and he doesn't go too far down the road before he decides that it's time to go back country Meanwhile, some civilians stop and they help the game warden. They load him up in a vehicle and they drive him to the hospital. Even as the suspect's turning off 102. Dirt road called Dennis Pond Road. Suspect, he drives down a little ways, and my understanding is he's he parks that New Hampshire cruiser on an old logging road, and supposedly now it's somewhere close to. Dennis Pond but I can't swear to that now once he gets out of the cruiser he's got the radio police radio turned up real loud cause he's got the windows down cause he wants people to hear that radio cause he wants the police to come up and find the car cause what he does is he finds him a high spot nearby it's got a good 
field of fire back towards the roadway. As soon as the police find that car and get up there around it, he's going to open up on them. So he just sits up there and waits. Well, now, uh, Brunswick City Constable, him and his son, they're all part of the posse. They're looking for that cruiser. Well, he finds it. And they skedaddle back to the command post, which has been set up there at the entrance of Dennis Pond Road in 102. You've got police from Vermont and New Hampshire all over there at the command post. So they get together a group because they're going to go up there now that they know where the car is at. So after that constable tells them what's going on, they send an initial team in there. They send a state trooper with his dog his canine he's from Vermont and then they got another Vermont trooper then they got a New Hampshire trooper a couple of New Hampshire troopers and then they got a border patrol agent and they got an Essex County sheriff all in this group so they head up the logging road they find the car well, the dog, the canine, he alerts to that hillside where the suspect's at. Well, the handler, he yells at the group, tells them, get cover. Because the canine, whose name is Major, Major is barking up a storm looking at that hill. So they're all trying to take cover. Well, then a shootout begins because the suspect opens up on him. Now he wounded three of the officers that was down there. Border Patrol agent and the New Hampshire trooper were both wounded and they were wounded pretty bad now plus the New Hampshire trooper. So now they're wanting to try to evac all these wounded officers and they send more police up and they start sending policemen around and circle his position where the suspect's at because they're going to get him off that hill. So now they got a rescue team going to get the downed officers and they got groups of officers working their way both left and right of the suspect because they're going to make sure he don't get off that hill. So out of the officers in the rescue party are working their way up in the woods to get to the downed officers. Those officers that got in on the flanks of the suspect, well, they nailed him. They shot and killed the suspect. Now, when they got up there to his body and they looked, and that Kevlar he was wearing, it had absorbed uh, quite a few rounds, which allowed the suspect to keep going. Now, they estimate there was about 80 police officers that made that scene. And from the first shots at the IGA grocery store to the killing of the suspect took just a little over three hours. 
to end this tragedy. Trooper Leslie George Lord Trooper Scott Edward Phillips End of Watch August 19, 1997